for Thought on WJR is presented by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state. Here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for listening. Some time ago, those of us who stand in the gap for people who are short on food began to realize there are several sectors of our community that intersect with the working families that we serve. We started having conversations with leadership and workforce development and retention who were struggling to keep their employees. We had conversations with educators who were struggling to keep families in district for an entire school term and healthcare leaders who were struggling to serve those of the population that were frequently walking through their doors under duress from seasonal, chronic, and acute illnesses. Our purpose here on Food for Thought is to change the conversation about food security in our state. Imagine how shocked we were when these conversations began to change us. The leaders in all these sectors had a profound impact on our work and are helping to shape it for the near future, and I think we've had an impact on them as well. No leader that we've chatted with has emerged quite like our guests today. Leaders have three fundamental responsibilities. They craft a vision, they build alignment, and they champion execution. After all, strategy without execution is just a hallucination. Stay with us for the entire show as Jerry Brisson and I talk with an extraordinary leader who is using her influence to help create a sustainable difference in the lives of people. She is Susan Hawkins, the Senior Vice President of Population Health at the Henry Ford Health System. We'll be back in just a moment. Get in touch with the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Visit fbcmich.org. We're back here on Food for Thought. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And, uh, Jerry, as promised, um, our guest is here, so I'm going to... I've introduced her in the monologue, but I would like for you to introduce her uh, in your own Jerry-esque way. Well, my own Jerry-esque way is through some really profound and positive experience as Susan is on our board, as well as on our program committee, which we just really started in earnest. Um, we've, We've obviously had different iterations of program evaluations and things that we've done, but as we continue to try to do more and do it better. Mm -hmm. We have really upped our game in terms of really understanding our impact, uh, really looking at how do we engage with the community in all the right ways, and, um, and then putting that in a dashboard that that a person who doesn't have all the technical knowledge can really use and understand and see the progress. And so Susan has helped us create all of these, um, you know, moving forward, you know, dashboards and and um, and really brought a lot of experience from her side of, of life to helping us really look at food banking as an instrument of dynamic change. So that has been very exciting. And of course, we're going to talk about some of the specific partnerships we have with Henry Ford Health System. But I mean, certainly Susan's impact has been above and beyond even those things. So we are grateful and nice to have you on the show. Thanks. Good morning, gentlemen. 
Good morning. So she is Susan Hawkins. She is the Senior Vice President for Population Health at the Henry Ford Health System. And as Jerry said, welcome back to Food for Thought. This is your second time, and so you should get like a Medal of Honor or something. Yes, I should. Where's my pin? (laughs) I think they're in the mail, aren't they? Yeah, (laughs) right, right, right. Too funny. Good. So you guys, um, since you were last here, have um, really put your head and your hearts together and and come up with something that's pretty impactful. And as I said in the monologue, these conversations, we're trying to change the conversation about food security, and the conversations are really changing us. So why don't you guys talk a little bit about what what you've done since the last time that Susan was with us? I'm going to give Susan the mic on this one. I mean, she's really championed the the pilot that we've been doing, and I think you know why don't you why don't you tell us from your perspective, you know how this work that we've been doing together has has moved things forward. Great, happy to do that. So I think it was a little over a year ago when we first started talking about this, and we had really just gotten started, and the pilot. Um, to remind you, was to take a set of patients, and this is a research study, actually. So we're taking a set of patients who have high clinical needs anyway, Mm -hmm. and we are screening them for food insecurity. And so there's four clinics that started this program within Henry Ford Health System. And when someone is screened as having a food insecurity issue, and they meet a few other um, criteria, then we enroll them in a program where Gleaners is actually helping us deliver food um, in boxes um, to their homes. Hmm. And that happens every other week for a year. Wow. And the equivalent is about 10 supplemental meals. So it's not intended to be all the food they need in that time frame, but it's intended to close the gaps. And these patients... Um, we have a very high enrollment. They they love the program. It's it's well over ninety percent accept um, enrollment into the program, and then like I said, they get boxes of food every other week, including registered dietitian approved recipes for how to prepare that food. And they really cover the food pyramid. So the team at Gleaners has been really helpful in um, preparing uh, fresh produce, uh, fresh dairy. Mm-hmm. And then um, frozen frozen uh, protein of, of various types, and about six months in, we introduced a whole choice option as well. So wow. these patients can choose between uh, about eight different choices of, of boxes of food based on what they might prefer. Wow! And we've just been doing, um, and by we, it's really not Jerry and me; it's our teams. Right, <laughs> right have been indeed. putting together. Um, adjustments to this program to respond to the feedback that we're getting. Right. So, for example, we found that some people were lactose intolerant, and so we introduced almond milk. Or we found that people preferred um, 2% milk to skim milk, and so we made that adjustment as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm so happy to report that right now we're, we're in the final stages. We have four more patients to roll off their one-year Oh. Um, and then we'll be able to finalize our analysis, but our preliminary results are outstanding. Really? We're showing about a three times improvement in unnecessary utilization of an emergency department and uh, compared to a control group. So the study was designed with a control group. 
and we're showing tremendous improvement in hospitalization that, that we don't believe is necessary. And we believe that the food we're providing is helping make a difference. Wow. How exciting and groundbreaking, really. Um, so let me ask a couple questions because I'm not sure. When you talk about the food, um, is this a medically tailored um, boxed meals? Is this like part presented as part of the treatment plan or you know, is, is it, what's the context of it? it? It's actually following the, the um, National Food Pyramid. So it okay. is created with health in mind, with the right balance of uh-huh. vegetables to fats, for example. Right. Um, it is not specifically tailored to um, somebody who, say, post-surgical or, or what have you, but it is a healthy diet. Right. And we can make as many accommodations um, as possible. There's a few things we can't do. We can't address certain cultural preferences, not in the study, but as we expand, that's our goal, is to be able to give people um, the food that they like, and certainly it meets their nutrition needs. I've heard that before, the, the food that people want and need. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly so right. Let me, let, me, let me get us to a break and get us back on the other side so we can come back with Susan Hawkins, the Senior VP of Population Health at Henry Ford Health System. Jerry Brisson, I'm Dr. Phil Knight. We'll be back in just a moment. It's Food for Thought on WJR with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brassard. We're back. This is Food for Thought. Jerry Brassard, Dr. Phil Knight here. Our guest, Susan Hawkins, Senior Vice President of Population Health at the Henry Ford Health System. Now, this, what you just announced to us in the first segment here is profound, and it's really what we're about, which is impact. Jerry? Exactly right. Doing things more and better. You have to have both. And when you talk about a hunger-free community, um, you got to bring investors to the table who win when the problem is solved. But how do they know they've won? Right? You, you have to define all those things. And so these research projects are critical in our steps forward to really understanding what does winning look like for the people we're serving most importantly, but also for various people who might want to invest in this if they know those investments have a return. Now, beyond the numbers, I want to talk about people for just a second. And I'm going to talk about our driver. Uh, Susan mentioned it's not us doing this. It's our teams. And one of the key people on this team is LaCrystal, um, who is our driver, who is, you know, face forward to the people that are getting the food. And every day she comes back from her experience interacting with the patients um, enrolled with amazing stories of these are just wonderful people. They can't wait till I get there. They they love that they're able to choose, you know, these various foods. They they so appreciate what's being done for them as they're trying to recover from a very challenging set of circumstances that involve right. many aspects of their life. There's there's social aspects. When you're not feeling well, it's hard to get out of your house. It's hard to see people. It's hard to interact with the world in the way that you're used to. And so these programs, in addition to providing food, also provide other things that the the people going through this really value. And I know, Susan, you wanted to talk a little bit about that qualitative um, aspect of this work. And so I'm going to, again, throw it back to you and say, let's let's just talk about that. 
So we had a really great opportunity to have a researcher who, pro bono, helped us um, understand what it was really like for the patients that were affected by this program. So this research team went in and talked to nine of the patients, spent time in their home with their permission, photographed their pantries, their their refrigerators, etc., and found a sustainable difference in how these individuals were treating food and using food and preparing food. And Mm -hmm. so differences like um, how to buy chicken in bulk and then separate it into individual packages in the freezer so that they could be taken out one at a time. Um, And trying new food, um, things that they'd never tried before. There's one particular quote that I love from that research. This woman who's actually in her 20s, she's a young woman, said... I tried onions, potatoes, romaine, peppers, curry chicken, and brown rice. I used to eat fast food and fried food all the time, but now I know different. And I thought, that is fantastic. Somebody has changed the way that she views food and is trying new things um, because it was delivered to her and, and came with recipes to help her understand the best way. You know, I can remember conversations as just five years ago where... The topic of changing behavior was almost taboo in the food banking world. I mean, you can't have that high of an expectation because you're never going to meet that. And you guys have totally disproved that. That is an awesome quote. And I mean, you just think about the the benefits to the quality of her life and her health. And that's so powerful. And I want to talk about care again because... When you talk about change, you can get so focused on the the products or the processes, but fundamentally, I believe that change comes about through care. It comes about by sitting down with people and showing them you really love them, you appreciate them, you understand them. And I think one of the things that I like about this program in particular is it's built around those ideas of empathy with the people you're trying to serve and really saying, you know, we're not here to change you. We're here to help you understand what good health for you might look like. And you want better health because not having it means severe restrictions in your life. And you want those restrictions relieved, right? You want to be able to get out. You want to be more mobile. You want to be able, in some cases, to go to work. And so when you start with the idea that we all want the same thing, so let's talk about how we get there from here. You get farther, faster, and in the end, you end up with a lot better results for everyone. And, of course, those fundamentals are driving this whole conversation we're having about what does it mean to have a food-secure community. And it all comes back to understanding who needs help, how much help they need, and for how long, tracking that so you know that the impact you wanted was what you got, or in this case, significantly better than what we thought we were going to get, and then taking those things that work to scale. And that's how we're going to see these solutions I think in the near term, having more and more impact. Well, I love what you guys have done because it's, um, I said in the monologue that, you know, strategy without execution is a hallucination. And you guys have, uh, you walked out of here and you built something and it's, it's, it's having such tremendous impact. And so I'm so proud of both of you and thankful what else is there? What are we missing? What what else is going on here that, that our people should know? Well, I think Jerry touched on it, but it's really all about the partnership here. 
And I think it's a partnership between the food bank and the health system in saying, how can we work together to address this this need? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not just providing food, it's providing the right kind of food in a way that people know how to prepare. It's the outreach. So for example, the Henry Ford team was reaching out to these patients prior to every delivery to ensure that their their box of food was sufficient last time. Did they have enough? Uh-huh. Um, is there any change that you'd like to make? Um, is there anything that you weren't able to use for any reason? And then to make real-time adjustments to that. Right. And then LaCrystal, obviously, she was beloved. Um, everybody loved her and um, loved to spend time with her. So we really felt we were also addressing a little bit of this isolation issue, mm-hmm. which Jerry touched on. You know, how do we we create that connection? And so I want to just give you one more quote from Please. this research. Yeah. Um, this this person said, it was a relief to have someone looking out for me, someone meeting me halfway. And I thought, that's what this is all about. Wow. So the food is bringing a lot of nutritional value, and it's the right food for the people, and they have a choice in it, and you're not robbing that from anyone. It's no longer, here's your box of food, hope you like it, tough if you don't, right? It's just, this is medically tailored to help you. But what go, seemingly goes with every box of food is is that human contact, that that food gets delivered, and it brings hope along with it. It brings encouragement along with it. And uh, man, I don't, I can't think of anything more powerful than that. So um, you know, we give five reasons why we think food security is possible, right? Why we think this problem is solvable. And the first reason is enough people want to see it solved. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go back to the partnership with that in mind. You know, when we started talking to the healthcare systems about food insecurity, the nurses told us across the board, the reason we don't ask is because you don't have an answer. And it's so frustrating to know someone has a problem that you can't solve. And so you don't want to ask about it because it's awkward and embarrassing and difficult. So now you look at what happens when you do programs like this. Not only do the does everyone involved have ideas about how to do it better all the time. It's new and it's exciting and you want to be part of the solution. But you also see in the people involved a willingness to go above and beyond Because there is a solution. So rather than not doing enough because there isn't a solution, when you have a solution, people will go the extra mile. They'll they'll have that one more question when they're doing the follow-up calls to say, are you sure this is right? Because we can actually fix this if it's not. And so those are the things you can't necessarily build into a plan, right? The engagement of the of everyone in the in the process who is now motivated to do it well and better. Why? Because they can. And so just seeing people empowered in that way from every step of this process has been another really encouraging and exciting part. So I like first. I like I like to be first. I, I like I like I like to win. I can't help it. I do. I like to win. If you've ever golfed with him, you know that's true. It's, it's true. <laughs> It is true. But here's what I like about the two of you. You were first. You were first. You made this happen first. I mean, you talk about the conversations we've had across healthcare spectrum with people, and they were great conversations, and they helped us, and they changed us, and they influenced us. But you guys did it. You did it first. So I'm really 
so proud and so thankful. So we've got another segment to do, but we've got to get out of this one and come back. So give us just a minute. You folks come back and be with us. This is Food for Thought. You're listening to Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Brought to you by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. We're back. It's Food for Thought. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here, and our friend and partner, Susan Hawkins, Senior Vice President for Population Health at the Henry Ford Health System, and who was first. Yes, indeed. So, now, guys... Here's the the question on everyone's lips in uh, radio land here. What's next? Yeah, great question. Um, Our goal all along, I think we started out saying it's nice to do a pilot and it's good to see the results. And we're not yet done with the pilot. I wish I could give you the actual answers, but I'm not allowed. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because we don't have all the data in. But our goal all along has been to figure out how to make this sustainable going forward, how to make it scalable to your point. And so what I would really love to do is to take some of the numbers I quoted you in terms of utilization, um, cost improvement. If people aren't going to the hospital if they don't need to, that actually saves money, right? Right. So how do we take this program from a uh, essentially a charitable contribution mm-hmm. to a part of our operations ongoing? Right. How do we say this is how we deliver value in a different way? to address a social determinant of health, mm-hmm. like food insecurity, um, as part of the care process and make it part of our healthcare delivery. And that's what's next, we want to wow. say. And, and we can do that. We can create a return on investment, a very powerful return on investment. And we can, we can demonstrate not only cost savings, but also uh, health savings. So we're also tracking people's results in terms of their uh, management of their blood pressure or their diabetes or their weight. And right. um, we know that there's correlations there between food and, and each of those things. So how do we create that business case? That's what's, that's our work over the next month or two, is to create that business case so that this can be an ongoing project, ongoing part of our operations. And I think on our side, um, looking at what are the other implications of this for us? How do how do we take these learnings across our network of of pantries and soup kitchens and shelters who are providing services and and really inform them about you know when you when you meet people where they are when you understand better what they need and you deliver to them what they need look at how the 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 waste goes down the consumption goes up the the overall then efficiency of our work goes up significantly and then continue to learn more about interacting with healthcare partners who really want to see these improvements as well. I think another thing that we're taking from this is, uh, uh, and, and certainly this aligns well with your population health ideas, is what does this mean for our distribution model overall? And how do we get more access to these kinds of food in this way where you're giving people choices of meals, showing them how to, how to create those, um, and then you know, taking that to scale, even in the systems that currently exist, all as part of the learning behind this particular initiative. So I think there is a lot of work to do to, to continue to make improvements, to continue to see people's lives enriched and to have more and more impact. 
Lots to learn, but it seems to me, on, on the operational side for sure, but the business case is really what fuels the next steps. Right. I mean, it's there or it's not, right? But it literally looks like it's there. And then how do we take that model and expand it to other types of social determinants of health, too? Yeah. Right. And what and as Jerry mentioned early on, what's the relationship to other organizations to address other needs so that we're really working as a community mm-hmm. for all the all the residents sure. of our area, um, including our own patients um, at Henry Ford Health System, but other people who are residents who are not yet active members of the community or, or our healthcare community. So we're already talking about how do we work with schools and combine efforts and we have school-based health clinics how do we combine efforts um, or how do we work with utility companies or or other um, other organizations out there that are contributing to the solution so in regard to the other social determinants of health and, and they're all important right and they're all needy and they're all critical but it is it is um Ironic is not the right word, but it is interesting that you guys have chosen to address food first. And then when people's minds are freed from that toxic stress of food insecurity, they're able to think about some of the other challenges in the form of social determinants felt that they might be facing. And so they become not just a part of the problem, but they really become a part of the solution. And you're talking about engaging them in the community even before they become part of the healthcare system. Sure. So pretty powerful model you guys are building here. Um, and so that's a good qu- answer to what's next. <laughs> <laughs> I think, too, we're creating champions and, you know, when you're talking theoretically about making change, it's one thing, right? And, but you're always going to have a certain number of people who are waiting to see, right? I want to wait and see. I want to wait and see. And I think one of the biggest benefits that we're having in this case is people who have been waiting to see are now seeing and going, wow, this is really, really good. And it's not that, that people don't want to do good things. They all do. But until you know, you don't know. Yeah, but you can't be first if you just wait to see. Well, that's true. That's true. But that's that's okay, though, because there's a place for all of us. And, and people who have a personality that they want to wait and see bring gifts to the table, too. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, getting that whole community now starting to move together with a sense of confidence and purpose that is fueled by actual information— it's just so much stronger, and it's what makes the movement, if you will, that much better. So very exciting, very exciting to talk about this pilot. And again, Susan, I know I talked about other ways that you're helping gleaners and working with us to think more and think better and, and you know, you know, I'm not going to say hold our feet to the fire, but, you know, we all need a little bit of that, too. You know, making sure that we stay focused on what's really important. And so I just want to thank you for that work as well. And it's it's all part and parcel of building systems that serve the community better. I'm happy to serve. Well, Susan, thanks for being our guest today on Food for Thought. And uh, we appreciate your partnership, your friendship, and your commitment to this great mission of food security for all the people that we're serving together. It's my pleasure. Thanks for being with us. Jerry and I will be back to wrap up this edition of Food for Thought in just a couple of minutes. 
Welcome back to Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Welcome back, everybody. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here. And uh, Jerry, uh, what a great guest and partner and uh, champion in Susan Hawkins, the Senior Vice President for Population Health at Henry Ford Health System. Yep, she's terrific to work with, and her team has been terrific to work with. And, you know, I like what you said, Doctor. You know, we learn and change, learn from and change each other, right? Mm -hmm. We learn from and change each other. And I think that that has been just true in every way throughout this pilot process. You start by thinking we're going to do it this way. Then you bring more people in and they say, well, what about this? And you go, yeah, that would be better. And then you bring the people you're going to serve into it. And they say, you know, what would work for us is really this. I mean, I'm going to tell you, we didn't imagine that we would be doing home delivery. We didn't imagine that when we first started it. We were trying to figure out central locations to drop off food and those kinds of things. But after we worked through the system, we said, you know what? Home delivery is probably what's going to work best. And when you look at both utilization and satisfaction, it's absolutely true. It worked best, and it was something we could figure out. So, you know, that's just one example of how you just get better as you start involving people who are smart and, and who want this to work. And who aren't scared. Right. That's right. <laughs> you know, they're, right. they're willing to be first. And, uh, you know, kudos to uh, Susan and her leadership and her team and Henry Ford Health System in general. The other thing, Jerry, I thought that was very interesting uh, from Susan's conversation with us was the statistics that she shared. Three times less likely to need the emergency room. Three times less likely to need it. Right. So it's better statistically, but it means you're less likely to need to go to the emergency room because hunger is off the table for you. So, you know, we're both very pragmatic people. It doesn't mean we're not visionaries and we don't think about it. And our whole network thinks about a great strategy. But if it's not really pragmatic and really boots on the ground and makes a difference in the lives of people and some things you can't measure, for example, We won't be able to measure three times less likely to go into the emergency room the number of people who are uh, facing financial calamity that's been fueled by an illness. Right. That's driven them to need help and assistance. And there's a couple of studies out about that, and I want to dig into that further before I start quoting numbers, but I'm thinking three times less likely to need the emergency room means these are families that won't be faced with financial calamity because they didn't need to go. Right. And so for a lot of people who have health insurance, and health insurance pays a lot of your costs, it's not always top of mind that for people that don't have health insurance, when they have to visit an emergency room, it's an expensive proposition. And, and so, you know, they're, they're, um, they're going to be served, right? Because healthcare is going to serve people that show up and need emergency help. But at some point, there's a bill to pay. And so for some people, those bills accumulate so fast and so big that it ruins them financially. And so, um, so by needing fewer of those services, and, and a lot of people who are food insecure are the same people who are struggling to to figure out their health insurance. And so, you know, it's it's a complex, compounded problem. Well, you said it. Social science is is 
convoluted right. and it's you know it's it's often very difficult to explain and you know and we're understanding what impacts what through this and you know I, I think that's one of the reasons that our philosophy of food first has emerged because when when you when you're able to take hunger off the table as you say then it kind of frees people up to look at some of the other challenges that they have. Right. And so in this case, when we're talking about going to the emergency room less often or needing to be hospitalized less, not only is there a tremendous financial benefit to the person, but there is also a tremendous life benefit. I mean, if you just put yourself in that circumstance and you say, how many days this month do you want to go to the emergency room? How many <laughs> days this zero. month? <laughs> right. How many days this month do you want to be hospitalized? I mean, you know, all of us would rather not right. have to use those services. And so when you talk about taking people who have chronic conditions, people who are sick and and who need to be well and they get well, and food helps them get well, you are talking about a tremendous change in their life, how they have to spend their time, not just the toxic stress of food security, but actually, I wasn't in the hospital, so I could do something else. I wasn't in the emergency right. room, so I could do something else. I mean, it's a tremendous positive change. Well, one of the things, too, I liked that, um, obviously, that Henry Ford Health System brings to this partnership was the ability to check back with the patient. You know, that's something they're going to do, patient follow-up and, and uh, see how well they did. But now when they follow up with the people that have been in the, this pilot, they're determining not just how did, well did Henry Ford Health System do, but how well did the food bank do as well. And I think that that's a great uh, opportunity for us not only to learn, but also to understand we're doing some things well. We're doing them right, and we're, we're treating people the right way. You know, I want to make one other point on that. Um, so when we started this pilot, we knew that if a patient who needed food uh, had other people in their household, that those people would probably need food too. Mm -hmm. And you can't have a food-secure patient in a food-insecure household. And we say this about children. You can't have a food-secure child in a food-insecure household. So this pilot accounted for that, actually, and provided food not just for the patient, but depending on the number of people in the household, there would be more food provided to make sure that the patient would, if they were sharing their food, right, that they would still end up with enough food to reach their health goals. Right. And so, you know, that was a really important aspect of this pilot is that we looked at the whole household, not just at the patient. And I think that's one of the reasons, not only for the satisfaction, but for these actual changes in the numbers. Because the truth is, are you going to go home and eat in front of someone who's not eating? No. No. You're, you're, you're just creating more stress. Absolutely right. Right. So, yeah, the, the other, there's lots of things here, but, you know, I, I do appreciate, and I said it in the show, Susan and her team, Susan Hawkins and her team at Henry Ford Health System, believing in us, Gleaners and your team specifically, 
but believing in the, the work of the food banks and that we could make this work together. You know, it reminds me of the Flint story, and we've talked about the Flint story before and the water crisis that happened there. And one of the most valuable contributions of the food bank in Flint was trust. Right. They were an organization that the community trusted. And so you're talking about trust relationships with systems, but also with the community. And that is something that the food bank can provide meaningfully to these kinds of partnerships. Excellent. I think it's time for a little food for thought. It was General Patton who said, a good plan violently executed today is better than a perfect plan tomorrow. Well, Susan and Jerry have not executed any plans violently, but executed plans they have for certain, and we're all the better for it. The prospect of what they are doing is both significant and full of impact for the people served, the community at large, as well as the institutions who believe and invested in them and in us. You better hurry if you want in early because we are doing more than changing the conversation. We are changing the future of our state by creating food security with great partners. Thanks for listening. And if you're intrigued by the thoughts on this show today, then take a trip over to foodsecuremichigan.org and catch up on all the intrigue from our past shows. He's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. Thanks for listening. And until next time, remember, it's food first, folks. Food first. Food for Thought has been a presentation of the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.